0: What's up, guys? Welcome to this podcast. My name is Salman Ali, at Salman Ali NBA on Twitter. So today the plan was to talk about the Rockets' season and doing a season preview, but we had to scratch that because there was more Harden stuff that came out today, so we're going to be talking with Jonathan Fagan of the Houston Chronicle. Always great having him on. We're going to talk about the Harden situation, some P.J. Tucker stuff, and I hope you guys enjoy the podcast. All right, I'm happy to welcome on the legendary Jonathan Fagan of the Houston Chronicle. Jonathan, how are you doing?
1: Uh, pretty good now that I'm legendary, unless that's the kind way of saying old, but I'll take it. Let's just, uh, I'm blown away. So that's that's good.
0: Listen, you're always legendary around these parts. Uh, right now, uh, I'd want to be doing my annual rocket season preview podcast, but that's going to get pushed back to next week. Let's talk about the James Harden situation. So Harden returned to practice today. And by all accounts, he uh, he played hard. He wasn't lackadaisical. He didn't cause a, a ruckus like the like Jimmy Butler did in Minnesota. It was a normal practice. And before this happens, Adrian Wojnarowski and Ramona Shelburne report that James Harden was, quote, unmoved by the return of John Wall and would still like to be traded. Harden did not speak to media today after Rockets practice. So So let's start here. Uh, I read this report and thought, okay, so nothing has fundamentally changed. Harden wanted a trade last week and still wants one this week. The Rockets are unwilling to move James Harden unless it's a monster haul. Is that the right way to look at this? Has anything really changed?
1: No, no. The news is that there is no news, uh, although he did come to practice. But, you know, we have been told for days and days and days by people on the record that he will be at practice on Monday. And so he was at practice on Monday. And of course he, uh, first of all, it wasn't a very tough practice, but of course, you know, he has, he's a very prideful guy. He's always been that, you know, of course he came out and, you know, made shots and you know understood how to go through a practice. I mean, I don't find his ability to get through practice and understand what they're talking about was pretty elementary for James Harden. Uh, there's a long way to go in this process, but nothing has changed. Uh, And James can be steadfast. If he has a position, he usually sticks with it. The Rockets, he's not used to hearing no from people who are paid by the Rockets. And he has heard no on this. And so if that stays, and I think you characterized it well, that, The Rockets aren't going to make a trade unless they like the trade. They're not doing it because he might like the trade. They're only going to do it if they like it. Well, he's going to hear no or what amounts to, you know, inaction, speaking louder than words, what amounts to a no, I would think for a little while.
0: Right. And in the background of all this, the Rockets have already played two preseason games. And I'll say this. After watching those first two preseason games, I thought my first thought was, M's roster is still pretty good. Like, DeMarcus Cousins seems to have reinvigorated his career by his three-point shooting. David Duaba looks good off the Achilles. Eric Gordon looks very spry. <coughs> G- Gerald Green is still dunking and hitting ridiculous three-pointers he shouldn't be hitting. And most notably, John Wall looks like John Wall. Per 36 minutes, Wall is averaging 28.4 points per game, 10.8 assists per game, 5.8 rebounds per game, 1.7 steals per game, and he's doing all that on 57.4% true shooting. And the Rockets are 27.4 p- points per one of their possessions better when he's on the floor. Like That's pretty good. Granted, it's only two preseason games, but that's promising if you're a Rockets fan. If Harden and granted, it's the
1: Bulls too. It, right. It's yeah. preseason games, which d- don't mean anything, and then they're against the Bulls. But right. he looks healthy. You know, he he does not look like a guy coming back from an Achilles injury and, and surgery. He looks like what he has said, which was he was playing through a large, painful bone spur, which is now in a jar somewhere. And so, he, yeah, he basically—it's just the part of the bizarreness of all of this—is. A lot of the things the Rockets did this offseason have gone as well as could be, except for the thing that means the most, James Harden wanting to be here. You know, it is it is another classic, you know, other than that, how is the play, Mrs. Lincoln? You know, it, John Wall looks healthy. DeMarcus Cousin looks slender and healthy. Nawaba had athleticism, which he always had before. But he, he's coming back in the shortest turnaround. He looks a little rusty, but the athleticism is there. The high energy that he had always played with was there. Just, you know, everything we heard was Christian Wood looked very good at those practices last week. Everything has looked good. You know, they, they, they're happy with the trade they made, uh, you know, trading Russell Westbrook. But if James doesn't feel that way, this is still a foreboding storm cloud hovering over them.
0: Absolutely. And I think part of the reason these guys look good is like specifically John Wall. He's just had so much time to play ever since he's he's gotten cleared to play. Like he was cleared to play in March and he's been doing runs since then. And, you know, the biggest thing with Achilles injuries is like it usually takes a season to get back into full form. Well, March, that's like eight, nine months. That's almost a full—I mean, that's it's a full season if you don't count the playoffs. Like that. He is basically gone through the span of a full season since he's been cleared. And if Harden is engaged, I just don't know how this can't be still be a pretty good team. I guess my question to you is, does Harden stay engaged if he's not traded before the season?
1: Well, first a little cold water on your calendar— The only way, you know, the line about it—the only way to prepare to play NBA basketball is by playing NBA basketball. Sure. And so, physically, he looks terrific. But there is a difference of playing every other night and playing thirty-two minutes every other night. Do you still look terrific? What he's been doing since March is not the equivalent of you know seventy games over an eighty-two game schedule. And so, it still remains to be seen how. He and, to a degree, DeMarcus Cousins, who won't be playing the same kind of minutes, and David Nwaba, who won't be playing John Wall minutes, how they will be as the season progresses. But they look every bit as good as anyone could hope for them to look at this point. And, yeah, the timing is one of the reasons for all of them. Uh, Absolutely. Uh, Will James Harden decide hey, this is pretty, well, you know, there, there is another irony, as if we didn't already have enough. You know, the biggest irony is in order to make the Rockets trade him, James Harden has made it much harder for the Rockets to trade him. That, that's the biggest irony that hangs over all this. But the other irony is he wants to go to the Nets, among others, but that's the one that sort of instigated and inspired all of this. So he can go play with Kevin Durant, who's coming back from an Achilles injury rather than staying here, where he'd have to play with John Wall, who's coming off of an Achilles injury. If one guy can be all he's ever been, and he sure looked at the other night as well, well, so can the other. So can John Wall. So can DeMarcus Cousins. And the thing about DeMarcus Cousins, as he comes back, I'm very certain he has not gotten any shorter. He's still a very tall person. And to have those kind of skills at 6'10", he was never relying on explosive quickness or jumping ability. He was relying on tremendous skills and agility in a, 6'9", a 6'10 package. Well, he's still 6'10", you know, the broad-shouldered, really strong. Those things are still there. So, hey, if Kevin Durant can be back and be what he was, so can John Wall and DeMarcus Cousins. So yeah, if they play and keep playing, and if James can be everything he has always been, there, there's some other ifs that have to fall into place. That's what this team is this year. But there is a path to them being at least as good as they were in the past couple seasons. And James fought a lot of those teams. There, There is a path to that.
0: Yeah, I guess the biggest hurdle there is like, does James, you know, is he going to pout? Is he going to pull against no. harder or is he going to be prideful, as you said at the beginning of the podcast?
1: Yeah, I, I don't think he's the pouting type. And, you know, it, it would also hurt his chances to be moved because the Rockets only move him if they can get a King's ransom. And a team's only going to offer that if he looks like James, you know, if he if he looks like, you know, he's slipping a little bit you know, on the other side of 30, which... There's no reason to expect that, but if his motivation causes him to slip, it's harder again to get traded. Uh but now he he gets on the court, he he wants to bust somebody. You know, the the, the there are bigger questions. The Rockets have a lot of questions. But there are bigger ones or or more uh, cons- greater concerns than will James Harden try hard.
0: So I've been pretty vocal that I think Harden will get traded before the trade deadline. I'm gonna give you four options here, and I want you to pick what you believe is the most likely scenario. I'm not gonna pin you down here. There, there's some wiggle room, but uh, these are the four uh, general constraints: uh, A, Harden gets traded before the season; B, Harden gets traded before the trade deadline; C, Harden gets traded before next uh, gets traded next off season; D- and D, which is probably the least likely scenario, Harden doesn't get traded at all.
1: He retires here. They, they they put up a statue up front. Yeah.
0: It's pretty slim pickings right
1: there. Wouldn't that be ironic and funny? You know, and hey, Akeem wanted to get traded once. He called the owner a coward, you know, publicly. And, uh, you know, there there is Akeem a Plaza in front of uh, Toyota Center. However... I, well, you know what though, uh, giving your four choices, which one's more unlikely that Harden retires here or he gets traded before the season? I guess the retired here is more unlikely, but I don't think he's getting traded before the season. Uh, I, I well, think the so teams you, you are going to finishes the season. Oh, I, you know, trade deadline's the tougher one because if they're not contenders, do they say let's just do it? Let you know, let's pull the cord and do it. You know and the way the West is right now and with all the things that could go wrong here, there's a very good chance or at least a, a, a considerable chance that they're not contenders and then choose to do something. And another team could be not contenders and choose to go all in for Harden. So I would say at the deadline it is more likely than never or before the season. The harder question is, at the deadline or next off season. Now, I would guess the odds are in favor of next off season. This is such an unusual season for so many reasons. Uh, so of the th- four choices you gave, I'd probably
0: say,
1: you know C B A D in that order. Okay. Off season, off season deadline, preseason never.
0: Yeah, that's surprising. I like- I I would think you know the trade deadline. It's just it's just a hard thing to do, right? It's very hard for front office to stomach that much uncertainty, uh, and, and most of the time, when once a tra- once a star player demands a trade, a clock starts up, right? And usually within six months, that star is traded. Now it's not you know and always the case. But, you know, the past four or five years, I mean, you look at the stars that have, been, that have requested trades, that's usually been the time frame. So it'll be interesting to see if Houston is but willing to play that long game.
1: Did any of them demand it with three years left on their contract, two before they have the option of opting out? I mean, he's a year ahead of everybody else's schedule. And so and then the other factor, Daryl's Daryl liked to empower the star. He liked to, you know, be partner with the star, you know, to where that guy felt devoted and and loyal to the franchise, and he Daryl felt that got the best out of the star player. Mike was a get along guy. He didn't like confrontation. He liked to instill confidence, which you know he avoided confrontations. Rafael isn't a big, you know, he's not coming in there and lighting everything on fire, but he will say no, you know, he 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 is more capable of doing that than Daryl or Mike and Stephen Silas is the kind of guy and everybody has already seen it but we've heard this for many 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 years he is upfront with people upfront with his players but he is a really likable positive guy but he's upfront he's you know he has his father's tendency towards honesty but he definitely has a little of the Mike D'Antoni see the positive thing too. And so there are factors that are different from some of the previous superstars when the clock was ticking on them. I mean, they, you knew in their cases, hey, he's gone as a free agent this summer. we got to do something. Harden can't leave as a free agent next summer. It's just very different.
0: 2020 has already reshaped how we work and it's almost over businesses across the globe are challenged to be their most efficient which means every hire is critical indeed is here to help indeed is the number one job site in the world and more total visits than any other job sites according to comscore indeed helps you find quality candidates quickly so you can focus on hiring the person you need to keep your business going Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay what you need. You can pause your account at any time and there are no long-term contracts. And now, Indeed's new way of matching you with the candidates instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job criteria that you can contact the moment you sponsor a job making Indeed the only job site that can move as fast as you do. Right now, Indeed is offering listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Offer valid through December 31st. Terms and conditions apply. Alright, football is back in full swing. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props. Bet Online gives you more options to wager on than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship features all day and every day. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's blue wire, all one word. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. So let's talk about Rafael Stone, who is the general manager for this team, by the way, and officially just got the job like last month. Uh, Not much is known about Stone publicly. He's done a few Sloan panels at MIT, and he did a press conference when he got the job. Uh, We know that he's the Stanford-educated lawyer, and we know that he's been with the Rockets for about 15 years. Uh, He's got a pretty difficult needle to thread here, and he hasn't made himself available since that original presser. He said that at, he said at his presser that he's worked intimately with Daryl Morey in a front office capacity since you got hired by the Sixers. You've covered this team for Stone's entire tenure. Can you tell us tell us a little bit more about him, uh, so we can get a better idea how he manages a situation like this?
1: Well, I mean, the first there's so many parts to that. Uh, he he felt go back to his law career. He was the money maker, the rainmaker, as you know, to use the law firm term. He was the guy who brought in the giant clients and who negotiated the big deals. And he was a fast riser, a high riser in, a, in a, one of the biggest New York law firms. And he had been made a partner, you know, which is pretty big deal. And especially when you know he's got the clients, so. You know, that, that's, he likes, he's a deal maker. And he's the guy that Daryl trusted, like Daryl would have obviously the ultimate authority over the deals to pursue. In, like, for example, trading for Russell Westbrook, where Daryl decided we've got to do this, we're going to do this. And they went for it, negotiating it, a lot of that was Rafael. Uh, There were other, well, and and that Daryl did that. You know, he was, Daryl was the face of the Rockets front office, but he absolutely delegated. He said that, but nobody ever seemed to believe him, that he was big on delegating. Uh, Eli Wittis negotiated most of the Robert Covington deal. Uh, You know, the Clint Capella, Robert Covington comes in. Uh, you know, Eli has a, a great relationship with Sachin Gupta and, and with the Timberwolves. And he sort of did a lot of the negotiating on that. Uh, and so Rafael negotiated a lot of deals. And, and Rafael sort of championed a lot of the guys that they brought in. The, the one that I, I always cite and I've written about, uh, Ben McLemore. That was something he really believed in and wanted to see get done uh you know i'm not sure what that tells us about this but he, he is a guy who who will negotiate and likes to do the negotiating of big deals and so that is the kind of thing can he through the powers of persuasion and having time on his side eventually sort of bring james back in you know it's a hard thing to do because for eight years what James wanted, James got, and that's often how it is with superstars, and was absolutely that way here. Uh, you know, he didn't get what he wanted, at least not yet, with this. Can they turn it around? Can they rebuild the relationship? Uh, it's a, t- a tough, tough one to f- to find a way to make happen, but that is their goal.
0: Yeah, it, once that genie gets out, it's really hard to put it back in the bottle. It, it's... Uh it's it's there's only one team in modern nBA history that's done it right that's that's the Lakers with Kobe Bryant, and every other time the star player has gotten traded and
1: well i mean the the go back to the akeem comparison you know there was a flight uh to Japan, and he and Charlie Thomas sat down and worked things out and uh so it, and you know Akeem is very strong willed also you know, Akeem is very strong willed. And so you know, he he's different in a lot of ways from James. But he absolutely had this this superstar mentality of, you know, very ambitious, very driven, super competitive. He he was all those things. But it happened, and people would not have bet on that even being possible at the time. So it can happen, and it's not unprecedented even you know, within the 713 area code.
0: Yeah, I I suppose. Um, How how about this? How key was the exodus of Mike D'Antoni and and Daryl Morey uh, in James Harden's decision making and asking to be traded? Or was that a factor at all? Do you think that played any part in his decision to ask for a
1: trade? I think it did. I don't think he wants out because they're not here. In other words, not that version of cause and effect. But I think it's sort of a a demarcation of his history with the Rockets in that, okay, it's time to go. You know, this is, rather than start over with new management, new coach, this is the right time. Uh, So I don't think it was, I can only play for Mike D'Antoni. But, and, you know, he's closer with Tad Brown, who's still here than, you know, he's very close with D'Antoni, but then with Daryl, not that they had any problems, not even close
0: but, I believe he called Tad a father figure once at a right. press conference. Yeah. All
1: right. They're real tight. And Tad's still here. So I don't think it's, I can't stay here because they're not here anymore. But it' a, a sense of, okay, it's time. And you know what it all comes back to? It's what we all saw. The Rockets called themselves contenders, believed they were contenders, spent the whole year saying their goal was to play and win a championship. And they weren't contenders. They got brushed aside by the Lakers. You know, after winning that first game, LeBron said, okay, you need me to shift into a higher gear? I will. And boom, you know, four straight, you know, blowouts in most of them. They were not contenders. And he saw that too.
0: As soon as the Lakers made the decision to go with Anthony Davis at center, that series was over. Like the, the Rockets, even playing microball, just could not match that. And I I think they were going to make significant roster changes either way, just because they knew they weren't contenders. And whether they that was trading Russell Westbrook or whether that was trying to trade Robert Covington, they had to do something to significantly upgrade the roster. Um, so, James Harden may not be the only Rocket uh, traded this season. Let's talk a little bit about, about PJ Tucker. So, Tucker has been wanting a contract extension for with the team for a while now. This extends back before the offseason. The Rockets picked up his fourth year, the fourth year on his deal as a show of good faith last season. He's 35 years old, and he has a lot of basketball miles on him. Uh, most players in this situation don't get a contract extension. He did a presser today and he said, I quote, it's not even just the contract extension. It's about being in a place where you're wanted. Nobody wants to be in a place where you're not wanted. There are certain ways to show that. It's not just a contract extension. So the natural question here is what exactly is he talking about? Is, is, the, is he talking about something beyond the contract extension that the Rockets may have slided him in some way?
1: I can't even imagine what it would be. Uh, and." You know, no. I mean, how could, I don't, I I think it is a little bit kind of like James, where James is thinking, I did everything I could possibly do for this franchise. You could say, well, you didn't win. Well, yeah, but he did everything he could to try to win. Everybody tries to win a championship. Well, PJ absolutely can feel the same way. I never miss a game, ever. You know, I played center at six foot five, whatever you need you need to do this. So in other words, if some, if there was some way of saying, look, if you become a free agent, I guarantee you, you'll get, you know, nine million a year, 10 million a year from X team. Well, that works out the same as a contract extension. I think there's a sense of, but this team is the one I played the, these last four years, well, three so far, but by next summer be four years for and gave so much to. You need, this team should, more than any other, do this. Uh, you know, I think over the years, there's been some contract negotiations where the player or his representatives say, look, he's been underpaid. You need to make up for it with the next contract. And I, maybe that's what he's referring to, uh, to where if he's been underpaid, the extension should reflect that. Now, that generally happens with the J.J. Berea types. Who got the minimum? And okay, let's go ahead and give you a farewell present. Minimum. It's, it's not a half
0: million dollar severance package. What the hell? That is just right. only in the NBA.
1: Yeah, I, I don't know anywhere else. <laughs> I, I wish there would happen more, but no, That but that doesn't happen with guys. Make there's not an eight and a half million dollar severance package, and not. I'm not saying that PJ is looking for that either, but I think that might be what he means. It's not just the extension, which is more of a way of saying it's not just the money, it's that this franchise should be the one that is willing to do it. Other than that, I mean, I'm not sure. They, they've they totally entrusted, you know, they believe in PJ. And with good reason. They're right to believe in him. But I, I don't know what else he could be referring to.
0: Yeah, if I'm the Rockets, I, I, just, I just can't see a situation where extending him would be a prudent decision, especially if you don't have that buy-in from James this season, right? Especially if you don't get like any sort of commitment from James, which, you know, both of us are assuming they're probably not going to get as of this moment. That's, that's our, both of our assumption. And if they don't get that, I mean, there's no reason to extend a 35 year old. It's just, it could end up being a really disastrous contract. Well, I mean, it there, depends. There, there are if, ways if, you can, Sorry.
1: If you do two years and the second year partially guaranteed, so it would be a you know good chunk of change. If if, if you could say, all right, next summer he'd still be very tradable, you know, you could do that. So it depends. I, if you gave a thirty-five-year-old five years or four years, you no, of course not.
0: But would but PJ no, accept an offer like that, right?
1: Yeah, I mean. There's a certain reality by next summer. He's 36. Right. You know, they're, they're not extending him till 40. You know, he's not Kareem. You know, <laughs> I mean, I don't think that's a slight to say, look, you're not Kareem Abdul Jabbar. You're not going to be playing till 42, uh, or at the same level. Uh, but if so, you're not giving him four years that begin when he's 36. If you gave him two. It wouldn't be bad on the Rockets. You'd it, have to have. I think it would be more likely that we'd be partially guaranteed the second year. Would he do that?
0: Yeah. See, th- th- that's the kind of s- scenario where, like, I could see the Rockets doing it, right? Where it's like, if you if you make the second year partially non guaranteed, it makes it a little bit more salvageable. But yeah, it, it really depends on what the number is, right? If it, if it's two years, the second year is partially guaranteed. You you'd bet that the, the Tucker's camp wants that contract front-loaded like crazy, right? Like that first year would have to be worth a pretty decent chunk of change if that second year is going to be partially not guaranteed.
1: Well, it just adds up the same. So you, if you're Tucker's camp, you're saying – because you can only do the percentage of the, of the salary increase on an extension. So you're saying how much is guaranteed? Okay, that's like one year at that total. And so then he becomes a free agent. Then, but for that one year, he didn't make, let's say, eight and a half million. He made ten and a half or eleven or whatever, right? And so, all right, that's pretty good salary for that year. That's when you're doing okay. And so, uh, I, you know, I don't know that that's going to happen, but I do think that going back to the original question of what is the. Version of loyalty that he needs—that's not an extension. I think it's a way of saying it's not just the money. It's that this particular franchise is the one that should be happy to do it.
0: Yeah, I guess the natural second question is like: Does he just does he get traded now? Because it's like if if he doesn't feel like he is wanted here, and the Rockets aren't just going to let an asset walk away for nothing, right? So if they're going to trade James Harden at the deadline. You'd assume they'd almost, you know, assuredly look for P.J. Tucker deals so they can maybe get a first-round pick back. Like, do you you see a scenario where Tucker is traded and Harden stays beyond the deadline?
1: Well, if they're not a contender, if they don't feel like they can, you know, make a playoff run, win a series or two. I mean, you don't have to be the NBA championship favorite, but... If you feel like you you can make a run in the playoffs, if things go right, you might even get to the conference finals or even finals. If things go very right, well, then you keep him regardless of him heading to his walk here. You're not getting a lot. If you're not very good, you could probably trade him for a first round pick to a very good team, a late first round pick, a super protected first round pick if it's not a great team. And so, yeah, if you're not, going to make some real noise, then maybe you get an asset once you start to get to the trade deadline, which this year is in March. uh, You could conceivably look that way. It's sort of just like with Harden. It goes back to what kind of team will they be at that point? Uh, You know, they'd still like to be good. Keep in mind, they don't have any other fours on the team. Daniel House can play some four, but ideally he's more of a three or, he, you know, he's not a, a rebounder as a big man would be. That's it. You know, Kenny Wooten.
0: Yeah. I guess maybe Christian would maybe if they, if they want to extend him out a little bit, but even yeah. then, like, I feel like he's not position
1: as a center, right? Well, there's that and it's pretty limited minutes because they don't want to extend cousins minutes too far. Yeah. And he is a center with, with what they want to do and how they want to play. But you know, I don't think they're, thinking of, of a steady diet of Christian Wood playing four. He's their starting center.
0: I mean, it, it it's going to be an interesting situation to monitor. Uh, he is really valuable to their team, especially when you look at... I mean, defensively, they're just like... If, if they have any idea of contention this season, they're just not going to survive without Tucker, <laughs> unless they're planning to to trade Tucker to deal with that upgrades, which I, I don't even see a situation where that's even possible. Like, I, I think they have to. if they're if they're planning to try and contend this year uh that they, they there's no way they can possibly move him but if they get to that point midseason where they just figure we can't let Tucker walk for any for nothing and we're you know 7th 8th seed in the western conference <laughs> we're not a contender i could see him getting moved i want to play out a situation here before we close out let's say the rockets start off the season pretty well and by midseason they're one of the top teams in the western conference uh, do you see a situation in which the Rockets decide we're going to go ahead and let this play out? We want to see what we can do in this playoffs. We could be a title contender this season. Like, so it sounds like you know, from what we talked about at the top of the podcast, you think that's very much one of the most likely scenarios. Where like they go to the mid, they get to midseason at the trade deadline, and they say we're we're still pretty good. Let's ride out this one more year with Harden. We can still deal them in the offseason. Do you see? Do you see that as a possibility?
1: Possibility. I'm not necessarily saying that's the most likely. There's a path to that. Uh, You know, there's things that can fall into place. There's also factors working against them. They have to have a lot of things come together with with a new coaching staff, some different sort of schemes and emphasis. Uh, that have to come together pretty quickly. And the West is brutally tough. I mean, uh, and can they defend at a really high level because it, it, to be in the upper echelon of Western Conference playoff teams, I mean, look at the offensive teams that are out there, you know, between Dallas, Portland, Utah, of course, the Lakers. I mean, th- there's some Phoenix, Phoenix probably uh, offensively really going to be good. You know, they, they're going to have to really defend, you know, that's not, they've been okay, you know, middle of the pack type of defensive team. Christian Wood has to make strides in that regard. You know, he he has certain skills that will be interesting to see. In other words, he can switch. And so that'll be interesting to see, but he has to get better to be a 32 minute center. You know, that that will be interesting to see. Uh, DeMarcus Cousins has to be in drop coverages. He's not going to be switching. We're lot a steady diet of him switching. So can they be a really good defensive team, a top 10, let's say, defensive team? To be in the top half of the Western Conference playoff teams, you probably have to be because offensively, they also have to have things fall into place, which can happen, but there's other teams where you know will happen. There's no way Dallas isn't going to be great offensively. Portland, Utah, they're going to be great offensively. Uh, so it, it, there's a lot of things that could keep them from being some of the things that we can see they can be. So I'm not predicting, oh, yeah, they're contenders again. I'm not <laughs> going that far. There are ways that they can be.
0: And I think the Rockets, uh, one of their definite weaknesses Coming off of the last season was defensive rebounding, and that and, and after they went to micro ball, there was no way they were going to win the defensive rebounding battle every night. And I think the Rockets do that. They decided we're going to value these turnovers that we can get off the deflections, especially with players like like PJ Tucker and Robert Covington near rotation. Uh, we're going to take those possessions to to make up for the rebounding. And I think a part of the reason the Rockets you know, upsized this offseason was because they wanted to win rebounding battles this season uh, to kind of make up for that. So there, there are ways they can become better defensively just by sheer force of getting bigger and having, you know, more rim protectors. But it is, yeah, you're right. It is going to be really tough and they're going to need players like P.J. Tucker and Christian Wood playing a really integral part of that, especially John Wall. Like if John Wall is you know, back to being like a good, consistent defender, not just good, like being consistent, because that was a problem for him in Washington in his latter years. If he's if he can get back to that, which is a big if coming off this Achilles, that would go a long way in helping Houston achieve that goal.
1: No question. Because a lot of their problems defensively were not about being small. It was about getting beat off the dribble, and then the big man or whoever, the last line of defense, you know, would have to come over and, and leave his position and then leave the boards exposed. Uh, they can't get beat off the dribble the, the way they had. Been. Uh, you know, And John Wall can be very good. Eric Gordon's very good. Uh, they should be pretty good defensively uh, in that regard, or better than they were in that regard. And if you're doing it with drop coverages, then you should rebound better. They won't rebound real well, I don't think, off on the offensive boards. You know, they're going to have so much pick and pop time. Uh, their their big man is going to be twenty four feet from the basket. So they're going to, you know, some very good teams put a very low priority on offensive rebounding. I mean, the Spurs won many championships, not caring about offensive rebounding. So that's not a big factor. But yeah, you're not going to. They're going to get beat in the overall rebounding numbers because they're not going to get their share on the offensive end. But if they can just not give up so many second chance points, they'll be just fine with that.
0: Yeah. And they're going to need, uh, I mean, Daniel House to have a pretty big year for them defensively. Sterling Brown, by the way, is an interesting bet for them. Like I, I actually like the pickup of Sterling Brown for them. If he can give them like 15, maybe if you, if you're lucky 20 good minutes for them defensively, that could go a long way. Like it it's going to be a very piecemeal kind of defense because there's not really like an elite elite defender on the you know on the team. I mean, PJ can be that, but I mean, he's coming into his 30, you know, age 36 season. It's going to be really tough. It's going to be a big ask for him. But if they if they can get to top 10, it's going to require all these pieces chipping in just a little bit.
1: Well, and Nwaba, who you talked about earlier, you know, is an absolute plus defender. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. So there, you know, there, there's guys who come off the bench now who, well, theoretically, who who can be very plus defenders, you know, just clearly plus defenders, you know, and, and Sterling Brown would be one, and Nawaba, you know, absolutely should be one. So there's a chance of it being better on, on the perimeter. If it's better on the perimeter, you should be able to rebound better because you're not getting your defense broken down as much.
0: Yep. Well, Jonathan, thanks so much for coming on. I always feel bad pestering you to come on the podcast, but I always enjoy having you. Uh, make sure to follow him on Twitter at Jonathan underscore Fagan and subscribe to Texas Sports Nation to read his work for the Houston Chronicle. Uh, Jonathan, do you have anything else you'd like
1: to plug? I <laughs> oh, no, we'll have our basketball section as always coming out this weekend. But no, I appreciate your yeah, uh, Texas Sports Nation. You know HoustonChronicle dot com, and just take it from there. And you get everything. These that's the nice thing these days. You get it all. You know all that. Uh, they did a nice job changing up the way they do things. So you, you get all the podcasts, and you know obviously all the investigative stuff uh, our news side's been doing. Uh, so that's uh, that's nice. Uh, but uh, I appreciate your tossing that in. That's always good talking this stuff. You know, uh, it's funny. I, I did send. Steven Salison a note one day that, you know, it's been interesting start to things. And I did enjoy, uh, I don't remember what I wrote that day, but I did enjoy writing hoops for a change. <laughs> it, it will be nice at some point if it does become about basketball again. It's like he said, he talked to Steve, when he said he talked to Harden today, well, he's a basketball player, I'm a basketball coach, we talked hoop. Oh yeah. my gosh, imagine that.
0: Hey, we snuck in three minutes of Rockets defensive talk here. You know, well, we talked a lot of hoop.
1: Oh, come on, we 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 got a lot of it in there. Yeah, yeah, it's it's
0: sprinkled in there. I'm sure, I'm sure, probably at least ten minutes of hoop in there. Um, Listen, I appreciate this. I'll talk to you down the road.
1: All right, take care. Take care.